12, episode 13. Please proceed with care. This podcast contains adult material. Don't play it loudly through your home entertainment system, for example, and forget that it's playing in every room, including where your partner is trying to catch up on some sleep. And not one to be playing in the kitchen when preparing Sunday lunch for your in-laws, because you never know whether they might arrive early and let themselves in. Both scenarios have happened, brilliant people. You have been warned. Welcome to 12 with Sarah Sloan, a series that started off as a vehicle for exploring the 12 different ways a woman is apparently able to orgasm. With the ambition of empowering women and those who adore them by exploring the female erotic. So much has happened since I started. 12 has surprised and educated me in ways that I could never have imagined. I hope it has for you too, dear listeners. If you are new to 12, welcome. But I strongly recommend you start at the beginning of the series. I can't believe it. I'm nearly there. This is the last of the 12. As you know, the final of the orgasms is the most taboo and possibly misunderstood of them all. The anal orgasm. I've been worried about this one for reasons that I know some of you will relate to. Don't get me wrong, the idea The fantasy of anal play is high on my list, but I just haven't ever had the guts to explore it in real life. Until now. And so, before I share my story of what happened when I explored anal play, I'm going to debunk some myths surrounding it, and what better place to start than the ultimate guide to anal sex for women by Ms. Tristian Taumino, in which she points out ten myths about anal sex. I am going to quote them directly. 1. Anal sex is unnatural and immoral. 2. Only sluts, perverts and weirdos have anal sex. 3. The anus and rectum were never meant to be eroticised. 4. Anal sex is dirty and messy. 5. Only homosexual men have anal sex. 6. Straight men who like anal sex are really gay. 7. Anal sex is always painful for the person on the receiving end. 8. Women don't enjoy receiving anal sex. They do it just to please their partners. 9. Anal sex is the easiest way to get AIDS. And 10. Anal sex is naughty. So H and I both found this useful. I was worried about the pain. And, I feel awful saying this because it is prejudiced, but I have definitely been conditioned to believe that it isn't something that nice girls do. It was my father who explained anal sex to me. I know, right? I've just remembered that. Poor dad. And so interesting that my mum decided he had to deal with this particular hot topic. Perhaps because he had homosexual friends and colleagues, I don't know. I'm not sure what he said exactly, but I remember imagining a penis being rubbed up and down someone's back, so he didn't do the best job. I have no doubt, however, that he would have made it out to be wrong in some way. What baby boomer dad would normalise anal? He's an open-minded guy, but of a totally different generation. Adult pornography has definitely normalised anal sex. It is the sixth most viewed category on Pornhub. One of the tipping points for starting 12 was when I heard about the increase in anal tears in teenage girls turning up at accident and emergency in the UK. It broke my heart. What an experience to have with sex so young. 
I remember aged 15 or 16 being with a friend while she was getting ready to stay overnight with a boy in the full knowledge that she was going to lose her virginity to him. There was an air of excitement and nervousness as she shaved every inch of her body hair off and chose her outfit. She was stunning in her innocence and desire. When I met her the next day and asked how it went, my enthusiasm was met with nonchalance. She explained, they had sex and it was fine, but then he wanted to do it again. She had started her period, so he said they should have anal. She complied, but in the telling there was no doubt she was ashamed. I understood her and the challenges she was facing at the time. Her mother used to beat her. Because of where she was, I think she did it to please him, to feel loved. I was too young to know what to say, so we changed the subject. I appreciate that I need to leave this experience at the door because it is baggage. Anal sex deserves an open mind, my open mind. I have friends for whom anal play is their favourite way to orgasm and for others I know it simply isn't an option. All this is good and perfectly okay. If you're not comfortable, don't do it. It is so important that we set boundaries with partners and, when the time is right, educate our children to do the same. It is at this juncture that I want to share that H decided not to partake in any form of anal play. For him, there is nothing about it that he finds sexy. I respect that fully, so explored the final orgasm solo. Anal play is a term that includes any kind of sexual exploration of the anus, including rimming, using the tongue and penetration with a finger, toy or penis. I have no doubt there are lots of success stories where young couples are having the time of their lives with anal. My research, mainly on YouTube however, shone a light on two recurring themes. Young men simply going for anal during sex without asking permission and the pain. I have now learnt that anal takes preparation, practice and very good communication, especially when trying it for the first time. Unlike what we see in mainstream free pornography, you can't just stick a dick up your bum. Anuses don't work like that. And I think this is where people who are getting hurt are going wrong. So, with no further ado, let's talk about the how-to. The anus is the most densely nerve-packed area in the body, so no surprise that there is a history of human beings gaining immense pleasure from exploring this part of themselves. The anus has two sphincters, external and interior. According to Wikipedia, a sphincter is a ring of muscle surrounding and serving to guard or close an opening or tube in the body, such as the anus or the openings of the stomach. The external sphincter is something we can relax and control ourselves, but the internal one is controlled by our autonomic nervous system, which acts largely unconsciously. It regulates bodily functions such as the heart rate, digestion and sexual arousal, to name a few. Interestingly, this system is the primary mechanism in control of the fight or flight response. In order to enjoy full anal penetration, learning to relax that second sphincter is key. Then the penis or toy can pass through both. I found a lot of fantastic advice from Dr. Lindsay Doe on her YouTube channel, Sexplanations. Lindsay is entertaining, no-nonsense and passionate about sex education. I'll put a link to her video in the show notes. Check it out. She shared the following top tips for first-timers like me. 
Get to know this part of your body. Don't be afraid of it. Explore your anus in the shower, for example. But don't forget to trim your nails. Ouch. Eat sunflower seeds and see how long it takes to travel through to your poop. This will give you an idea of how active your digestive tract is and familiarise you with your bathroom rhythms. I think this is helpful in taking away any concerns about poo left behind in the anal canal. If you're worried about the hygiene, then douching is an option, but definitely not necessary. Douching on the continent is simply washing using water after going to the bathroom, like using a bidet. But the word is also used to describe a technique for cleaning out the rectum using water. If your digestive system is working properly, there shouldn't be any faeces left behind in your rectum after a bowel movement. You definitely want to wash thoroughly around your anus before anal, but you don't have to douche to be clean enough. Douching is about a state of mind more than anything else. Some experts advise having a shower together so you can wash one another before anal play. A sexy way to start and a confidence builder because you know the other person is squeaky clean. You cleaned them. Also on hygiene, it is important to clean any toys, penises, fingers that go into the anus before putting them anywhere else, like a mouth or vagina. Microscopic pieces of faeces could get transferred and cause problems. The key piece of advice was to go really slowly in terms of progress and size. Start on your own or with a partner with just one finger. Insert it and relax. And when you are comfortable, go a little deeper take your time. Then, when you are comfortable with the sensation of having something inside your bum, progress on to two or three fingers. All the while, being sure to breathe deeply and relax into this new experience. If you are enjoying yourself, you can graduate onto a small anal toy and then onto a penis, dildo or vibrator, whatever. If you don't like it, or you don't like, say, more than two fingers, then stop and stick with that whatever works for you. If your partner is being impatient, why not ask them to have a go? And remember, you're bound to have a better time if you are super turned on beforehand. Okay, so now for some pointers for during anal. Use condoms if you do not know your partner well. Anal intercourse presents a higher probability of HIV and STD infection than unprotected vaginal intercourse, particularly for women. Use a lot of lube, and I mean, just go to town. Unlike the vagina, the anus is not self-lubricating, so you have to bring all that to the party. But don't go straight in with the lube. If presented with the feeling of being wet, an anus will immediately constrict because it will think there is a leak. So present a dry finger first, and then, when you are comfortable with the feeling, apply the lube. It's not sounding that sexy, is it? But I guess it's a case of building it into the ritual. When I first gave it a go, I used a rubber glove. It's the way I had always fantasised about it. Actually, I had a lot more fun when I removed it. The sensations were more pronounced and the connection more fulfilling. I followed Dr Doe's advice and started with one finger in the shower. It felt good and right to be exploring this part of my body. If nothing else, I liked the fact I was checking in, making sure there was nothing unexpected in the area, a lump or something, you never know, although anal cancer is super rare, more likely to be hemorrhoids. 
And then, once I had familiarised myself with my own bum, I had a go at incorporating it into my masturbation. I like soft lesbian porn for the sound effects. It makes me feel part of something and I find it very arousing. I lay on my back and slowly inserted my middle finger into my anus, taking my time and stimulating my clitoris. I found the sensation incredibly erotic. For me, it was a mixture of pleasure and pressure. The kind of pressure you feel when you block a flowing tap with your finger. I'm not sure I connected with all those nerve endings. Perhaps when I go even deeper, I will find them. I don't know. What I do know is that I am genuinely excited to have tried it, albeit on a very modest scale. It's new for me and felt naughty in the best possible way. True novelty is such a gift after 23 plus years of sex and now I feel more confident to take it to the next level. I don't think I'll ever have full-blown anal sex. I mean, never say never, but I would want it to be with H. Well done me for stepping right outside my comfort zone. Communication came up a lot when I did my research and it has come up a lot in the conversations I have had with friends. I want to share three communication ideas for different situations in case any of them resonate. Firstly, agree a way to check in when trying something new. Historically, I had a tendency to be super direct, which, unless that's what you're into, can take the sexy out of the moment. It just tends to break the spell. Some people use a traffic light system in bed. Green for more, more, more. Amber for, I'm not sure, let's slow down. And red for stop. Second, a technique for couples struggling with mismatched libidos. A problem which, according to Shamira Howard, a clinical social worker and sexologist, is one of the most common complaints she hears from couples in her practice. Get together over a drink or after a meal and write down two numbers. The first one is how often you would like to have sex. The second number is how many times you think your partner would like to have sex. It could be once an hour or once every 10 years. It just doesn't matter. Be honest. Then swap pieces of paper. Share how you feel. Are you surprised, worried, relieved? Get talking. When H and I did this, he had one or two times a week for himself and five times a week for me. I had two or three times a week for me and once a week for him. We were both delighted. We are far better matched than H thought we were. I couldn't handle five times a week, but fully respect those of you who can. And just to be clear, in the past, H and I have gone months without having sex. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. What matters is what is happening between you and your partner. And if you do have a huge gap, there are options. One, agree to split the difference for a set period of time and then review. You never know, the person for whom sex is not a priority might get a taste for it. Two, if that doesn't work, you need to come to an understanding that whoever has the higher libido is going to masturbate. If these two options aren't working or just aren't enough, then you can enlist the help of a therapist or explore the possibility of an open relationship. Finally, what about when you are trying to spice things up a bit but are not sure how to? 
This exercise might work after sex when you're both feeling connected and relaxed or you could agree to do it at this point. The important piece here is to be open and honest because the aim is to make room for individual desires. Write down a list of your yes, no, maybe of sexual fantasies, positions, techniques. Go to town, share as much as you dare and then compare lists. Again, what a great way to get talking and then decide what to try. So this is the last of the 12 different orgasms, but don't go away. The final episode, episode 14, is coming soon and be ready to hear a new voice, that of H, as we sit down and reflect together on 12, answering questions about our experience from you, dear listeners, and sharing future plans for 12. I want to end episode 13 with a quote from an article in The Guardian written by novelist Stephanie Theobald 20 years ago because it helps me understand where I'm trying to get to in my sexuality. Dario Sec concludes that the trouble with the British is that they are too obsessed with sex per se. The true French lover, she insists, is an all-round sensualist. I am just as interested in describing what a piece of chocolate tastes like as I am in evoking how a great orgasm feels. I do not want to reduce my sexuality to the number of orgasms, the number of times, the number of positions. I want to weave my sexuality into my everyday being so that it emanates from me in everything I do. Any questions for H and or me for our final episode, please email me directly, sarah at 124pleasure.com. Sarah with an H at 12 the word, for the number, pleasure.com. Sarah at 124pleasure.com. And please, please, please rate and review where you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.